Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good morning. Welcome to the uh, Microsoft Soundscape presentation. And I'm going to begin by giving you your... uh, CEU codes the for the people who are here for credit you need this credit and uh, so your your opening code is 56190 again that is 56190 and we cannot repeat that code again but at the end of the session we'll give you the closing code and now I'd like to introduce uh, Amos Miller from Microsoft who is uh, going to lead this uh, very very exciting presentation today thank you and welcome Amos thank you very much and hello everyone Um, it's wonderful to be here at the ACB convention I uh, hope you're all keeping well enjoying the summer Uh, Today we're going to have quite a bit of fun. We're going to talk about Soundscape, update you on everything that's going on. Now, often when we talk about the experience out and about when using Soundscape, we use terms such as flow, awareness, presence, confidence, independence. And we have a number of special, really special guests with us today today. Uh, who will share with you how you can use Soundscape to open up new and wonderful experiences in your lives when you're out and about, where you truly get that sense of independence, confidence, and flow. So hang hang in there with us. And after the presentation, we will open the floor for discussion and questions. We have a team here of engineers, designers, instructors, O&M instructors, adaptive sports, all here to really help you get the most of the session and ultimately get you out and about with a greater sense of confidence, independence, and and really enjoy everything that the outdoors has to offer. I'm Amos Miller, Microsoft Research, uh, and I lead our product work on Soundscape. And before we jump in, I just wanted to level set Soundscape is one of the leading apps used for wayfinding and navigation by the blind and low vision community in many parts of the world, including here in the US, in Canada, UK, Australia, and a range of other countries. And what makes Soundscape special is how easy it is to use and how clearly you know where you are and in which direction you need to go when using it. And I can't emphasize that more. You can, it, it really is very, very clear when you use Soundscape where you are and which direction you go. It's so simple to use. All you have to do is get it from the App Store, open it on your phone, and walk. And really, Soundscape will come to life. It does take a bit of practice. I don't want to underplay that. It takes a bit of practice, but you will see how easy it is to use. And what's really cool is that we use special 3D audio technology. So if you choose to use Soundscape with a stereo headset, you will 
actually hear the information called out in 3D all around you, in 3D space. For example, if you walk along the street and Starbucks is coming up on your right, you will hear the word Starbucks emanating from that direction where Starbucks actually is. You can hear exactly where it is. When you walk up to an intersection, you'll hear the name of the road to your left way over on the left, the one in front of you way in front of you, and the one on your right way over on the right. So it's all in 3D, giving you a three-dimensional layout of the intersection. One thing that is quite different with Soundscape, uh, as compared with maybe some other uh, apps that you've used, is the way that you navigate with Soundscape using what we call an audio beacon. Imagine for a moment that you could place a small bell on the bus stop. And so you can hear exactly where that bell is, you can hear exactly where the bus stop is, and walk over to it. Well, that's exactly how you navigate with Soundscape. Very, very simple. You pick your destination in the app, and suddenly you hear that bell. Through your headset, it's, you can hear it ringing over there on your destination. You walk along. If the bell is in front of you, you walk straight ahead. If the bell is a little to your right, you find a place to turn right and you move towards it. And that's how you move towards your destination. I'm going to run a video now just to show you how it's done. So listen carefully and I think it will make sense. Hello and welcome. We are going to demonstrate how I use Soundscape. I have my friend Emily here with me. Hi there. And my guide dog Trevor. You're going to hear and experience Soundscape in the same way that I do through these headsets. So let's go. Facing north along 101st Avenue South. So Emily, where should we go? I hear there's a place called Local Burger nearby. Would you like to try it? Let's do it. I'll set a beacon to it. Now I can hear the beacon over in front of us and to our right, that's where the local burger is. Excellent, that beacon's really helpful as I can't see past these trees. Fantastic, so let's go there. All right. Instead of step-by-step -step instructions, Soundscape lets me hear where the destination is so I can make my way there. We're coming up to an intersection here. Goes right. Crossing. Here's the crossing. Listen to the traffic. We're safe to cross. All right, and it's safe to cross. Front us Hey, here's Franz chocolate over there. Oh, perfect. Hedging we should fine. set a marker there on our way back. Now I can hear the beacon loud and clear on my right, so we'll turn right. Facing north along and Main Street. And here it Street. comes right, right in front of us, so we know we're walking straight towards it. Foreign Plaza. On Main Street and straight Fast towards the beacon. We're going to start hearing it coming on our left as we get close to the local burger. Joseph Jewelry. And he can close by. I can see the door. Ah, here we are. Fantastic. Emily, thank you. Thank you. And uh, thank you for listening. Right. Uh, I hope that made sense. You can play with the audio beacon just from at home. Uh, just to get familiar with it, and I promise you that it will make sense and really elevate the the, val the, the, the value of Soundscape when you're out and about. Uh, you just pick a location, 
set, I strongly suggest you set the volume of the beacon to, to a level that's comfortable for your ears and uh, just turn, turn your body, turn the phone. You will hear how it, how it works. It, it will all make sense. We talked, um, we talked about headsets a little bit. You don't have to use a headset with Soundscape. But to get the 3D Soundscape experience, if you have a good headset that doesn't block ambient sound, that doesn't block the environmental sounds, it is very powerful. You can put the, the phone away in your pocket and really focus on your surroundings. We, Soundscape Eastman has a special integration with a special headset that can track your head movement um, so that the sound placements are very accurate relative to your movement and your head movement. For example, the, we recently released an integration with the Apple AirPods Pro. If you have those, it works really nicely. Now, what happens if you are fairly early on on your own mobility journey? You're still learning the fundamental skills um, and learning, learning the techniques of mobility. I'm going to hand over to Mark Ranking and Marie Trudel, who are both orientation and mobility instructors, and they use Soundscape as part of training, not just as a navigation app, but as a tool to help with the training. For example, to help people develop mental mapping skills, uh, orientation skills, help them with uh, route development and with practice, a lot of practice on routes. So I'm going to hand over to Marie and Mark. Marie, over to you. Wonderful. Thank you, Amos. So my name is Marie Trudell. My pronouns are she, her. And as Amos mentioned, I am an orientation and mobility specialist. I have the privilege of working with Lighthouse for the Blind in San Francisco. And I teach individuals who are blind or visually impaired how to safely and efficiently navigate their environment. Sometimes this involves teaching white cane skills, street crossing strategies, or spatial concepts. O&M can also include technology, such as Soundscape. So I have integrated Soundscape into O&M lessons prior to the pandemic and throughout times of remote instruction and in this current hybrid state. It's been really exciting to see how Soundscape provides students with increased choice and safety in movement. So today I invite you into a lesson with Nikki, a 45-year-old woman with a visual impairment living in San Francisco. We will start with an in-person lesson without Soundscape, and then leap into a COVID remote lesson where we utilize Soundscape. So Nikki, well, Nikki's wit and enthusiasm for exercise, especially that Stairmaster, kept me on my toes, quite literally. And orientation and mobility lessons with Nikki centered on learning how to navigate from her apartment to her new office building using a white cane and multi-sensory awareness skills. So that route included nine street crossings, four stop sign controlled intersections, five signalized intersections, as well as a short ride on the local public transportation line. Throughout our intensive O&M lessons, 
Nikki learned to use the roar of traffic on Valencia Street and the staccato click of her cane tip reflecting off the brick buildings to maintain a straight line of travel. I can recall one lesson where Nikki paused at the edge of a sloped curb ramp, her tennis shoes positioned atop the yellow detectable warning bumps. She turned back to me and asked, Marie, what street is this? I responded, it's Valencia and Fit. Your office is located at 608 Valencia. It's the building after Starbucks. An overhang extends from the Starbucks entrance across the sidewalk. Oh, and there's a metal drain in the sidewalk. It's perpendicular to the front door. Nikki approached Starbucks, her cane tip, steadily sweeping left to right, just grazed the edge of the metal drain. She kept walking. The subtle change in amplification created by her footsteps and tapping cane tip could have informed Nikki about her position in relation to the office building. Yet today, at the end of a long and demanding mobility lesson, it remained imperceptible. She passed the office building and continued walking. So there was no way for Nikki to independently acquire and confirm information about the name, address, or relative positioning to these places or the street names. And I want to just pause for a second and acknowledge what Nikki's doing. She's crossing multi-lane streets in San Francisco, which is pretty wild. She's doing it safely. Identifying and interpreting multi-sensory information and consistently updating her mental map to monitor her position in relation to landmarks and her office building. Oh, and navigating around the clutter on the sidewalk. So this requires enormous cognitive effort. And this scene outlines the many challenges that O&M specialists and individuals with visual impairments encountered before the pandemic. Now, Q global pandemic and the intensive hands-on training came to a halt. Mobility specialists adopted new technology, uh, new teaching styles, and tools like Soundscape to provide meaningful O&M lessons. And Soundscape proved to be a really useful teaching tool because it offered options for personalization. There was a simple user interface, accurate geographical location uh, with concise descriptions, and a very, very engaging user experience. So markers with annotations and the audio beacons are two of the many Soundscape features that I use to communicate mobility concepts and tailor navigation information to students. We'll start with markers. It's a feature that enables Soundscape users to save relevant points of interest, such as their favorite restaurant or home address. Soundscape automatically announces the marker when the traveler approaches the location and the 3D audio feature informs the traveler about their location, about the location of the marker. So during a Zoom O&M lesson with Nikki, she created a marker by typing 608 Valencia Street, San Francisco into the Soundscape search bar. 
After our lesson, Nikki proceeded to open the Soundscape app and listen to the street names get called out as she approached intersections and passed by parks and other restaurants. There was a call out for Starbucks that came through in her left headphone, positioned around 10 o'clock in her 3D oral plane. She heard that personalized marker set on 608 Valencia Street as she approached her office. So receiving these automatic callouts, both for points of interest and markers, enable emerging and proficient tech users to access information from Soundscape in a safe and time-efficient manner. And to complement the marker that Nikki set on her office, I created a separate marker with an annotation, which is a short customizable description um, announced in conjunction with the marker on the donut shop located a few buildings past her office. In that annotation, I typed, hey, Nikki, you passed the office building. Turn around 180 degrees so the buildings are on your right side and Valencia Street is on your left. Shoreline the building with your cane tip until you find the first opening on your right. This short pathway leads to the entrance to building 608. With Soundscape, I was able to send the marker and annotation from my home directly to Nikki. She saved that marker in her Soundscape marker library and proceeded to receive this personalized message when or if she overshot her office buildings. So I'd say markers with annotations that really enhance uh, Zoom instruction and just the ability to work with more students because I can consistently check in with students as an O&M specialist and give them assignments um, to do in between lessons and also support them in creating their own markers as they learn to navigate routes or new features independently. So even after the pandemic subsides or we, as we navigate this new norm, I'm, I'm very confident that Soundscape will continue to be a useful tool for O&M specialists and individuals with visual impairments. Because Soundscape is not replacing the white cane or guide dog. It is, however, responding to our ever-changing urban environment by giving voice to environmental information that was once silent. And Soundscape bears some of the cognitive strain of urban travel, offering individuals with visual impairments increased agency um, and access to safe movement. And with that, I would like to send it to Mark, who will share a little bit more about his experience using Soundscape as a mobility instructor. Thanks, Marie. Actually, Marie's uh, self-introduction pretty much applies to me. Um, changed the uh, pronouns to he and him, the uh, Workplace Division Loss Rehabilitation Ontario, uh, and the, the area of uh, practice to the City of Toronto. Everything else is, is pretty much the same as far as uh, delivering services as an orientation and mobility specialist. Um, so Marie talked uh, a lot about markers. Um, and I think what I'll do is focus a little more on a couple other features of Soundscape um, that I've 
used a fair bit. Uh, the first one is the beacon. I think in a lot of ways, the beacon is what separates soundscape from um, other sort of navigation um, aids out there. The reason being the beacon allows you to track your destination or points along the destination without um, being focused on your immediate um, journey to get there. So if you think of turn-by-turn navigation, that experience is very kind of egocentric. You're just thinking, I'm going to be turning left, I'm going to be turning right, I'm going to be going ahead. And you're relying on the app, in that case, um, to provide that information to you, right? Um, You know, and this is how you get people driving into lakes in their cars because they're no longer focused on the destination and, and, and the journey. They're just listening for the next instruction. So as orientation mobility specialists, we always want people to be able to kind of get a, get a mental map of their surroundings, kind of update that map as they're traveling, doing that sort of spatial updating, that cognitive updating. That's, that's a tough part um, because that's what's necessary to be a problem solver when you're traveling. So, the beacon really allows you to do that. So when 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 uh, Amos spoke about kind of being in the flow in the beginning, you know, I was I was talking to a guy who had a, a math background recently and just had a sudden loss in vision. I was saying, you know, let's go out and we'll just try soundscapes. So he didn't have headphones or anything else, and I said, think of it this way: we're going to pick a destination. We're in a neighborhood that you didn't know because you wanted to really just figure it out. Um, he's a kind of a, a guy who likes puzzles, so I said. So think your destination, we're just going to pick something. So we went in and he picked uh, like a coffee shop. So I said, so you've never been to the coffee shop. You don't know how to get there, but now you know where it is. So you can turn and face it. So let's start walking in that direction. And what you're going to have to do is at every intersection, you're going to have to make a decision about which way to proceed. So I was saying, why, why don't you think of it as sort of a flow chart and and, and at every time you get to an intersection, you can go a couple of different ways knowing where your destination is. So he really liked that idea. And all we did was we walked to a corner. He would stop and he would just reorient by facing that beacon. And then he sort of say, okay, so to me, it sounds like it's kind of at, at one o'clock. So I think I'm going to have to eventually cross to get to the north side of the street. And I know I'm going to have to keep going further west this crossing looks really nice. I feel comfortable crossing here. It's got an APS. It's accessible for me. So I'm going to do my double crossing here and then we're going to keep walking. Next intersection, it's going to reorient, check where that beacon is, do the same thing. So for him, it was like a very logical way of getting to a destination. Um, always having that sort of safety net that he knew where he had to get to, regardless of whether he took a uh, unexpected detour on the way. But so it kind of, for him, it created a very logical sequence of getting somewhere um, in an area that otherwise would be totally inaccessible to him, where he couldn't read street signs, where he had no landmarks, um, no sense of, of what was north, south, east, west, all that sort of stuff. Um, the other thing that the beacon does uh, that that I find really nice for people is it allows you to kind of explore a little bit. So for instance, um, I worked a fair bit with somebody who moved back into an area of the city that they that they knew previous to their vision loss. So they have really good memories of, of the of the location. Um, are fairly well oriented, but they're right on the border, uh, right on the shoreline of Lake Ontario. 
And since they moved away, there's been a lot of development there and there's a lot of interconnecting paths along the lake. And they really want to have that as a recreational walk. The problem is they do have some residual vision, but once they get out there, they said, you know, I can, I can, I can tell where the lake is because it's quite open there. But my access point onto this path, I'm never going to find it because it looks like they all kind of look the same and there's no real identifiable landmark. So we just use the current location um, setting on, on soundscape and we set a marker there right at the point where he would access that, that path. And then he can just walk back and forth on the path. He gets a constant update of his distance from the marker. He can always turn and locate the marker um, in space um, if he does feel a little disoriented. But the main thing it gives him is that sense that he's free to explore, knowing that he can always get back to a point um, that's familiar to him and where he can get access back to the, the areas of the city that he knows so well. So that's a really nice kind of way have a little bit of a, of a safety net and to feel that you can do the sort of exploration um, that's common for, for people with sight who can just walk around and, and read the signs and look and look where they're going. Um, and on that line, another thing that I use the beacon for, I've, I've done it a few times now, um, and Marie and I explored this early on, was a few people who during the pandemic have wanted to use um, tracks at local um, schools. So the schools have been empty uh, here in Toronto. Um, People have been a little bit nervous about traveling on the sidewalk, uh, trying to maintain um, distance and all those sorts of things, um, but they wanted to be able to stay active. So a couple of people wanted to use um, tracks at local high schools. Um, and the, 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 uh, the anxiety they have is they can find the, the track um, using, so in, in most cases using the, the physical layout of the building, right? So taking direction from the building, uh, projecting path out to the track, they get onto it, but then when they're on the track, how do they know where that spot is to get off so that they can um, uh, make their way towards the building? So we've done setting beacons uh, at the point where they access that track, and then they'll walk around. The beacon, um, the beacon will shut off as they get towards it, so then they'll double tap it uh, to restart or mute, unmute the beacon so that they can do another lap and at the end, when they've done as many laps as they want, and they can count them by how many times they've muted and un unmuted the beacon, um, they can use that point to get back to a location that physically they can identify, uh, so the, the school building in that case. So kind of really nice ways of um, giving you yourself the opportunity to, to explore, but also to problem solve knowing that you're, you're kind of got this overall context of, uh, of a destination that's always going to be identifiable to you. Um, all right, and then I'll talk a little bit about street preview. So the street preview, I sometimes will explain it to people saying it's, it's kind of like, sort of like if you're using street view and Google Maps, uh, except with sound, so you get an auditory experience. So I use it, uh, I've used it a lot during virtual services to to preview routes with people and then lately what i've been doing a little more is using it as a way to review routes with somebody so after they we've traveled the route we'll get them to um go through street preview so once they once they're in street preview they simulate um their location and in this case i've been working with people using just simulating their location starting from their home and then asking them 
to, uh, if we were reviewing, to go through the route that we did. So as you um, simulate your location, the phone then, as you turn, it will simulate you turning in real space or in virtual space on the route that you're doing. And what I'll do at the same time is I'll, I'll open Street View and I'll do the same journey as them. Um, and this way I'm getting the visual uh, confirmation of where they are. They're hearing callouts for markers that they've set or markers that we've created. They're hearing callouts when they're using the, the buttons at the bottom um, of the Soundscape user interface, things like ahead of me um, to review again um, the points of interest that they passed. And we can sort of check in with each other. And I can say, is there anything else you, you remember that was on this, on this block maybe that was a good landmark for you. And I'm looking at street view and kind of, because I might not remember myself. Uh, and together we're reviewing, reviewing routes, making sure that um, the physical experience that they maybe are not having as frequently now is cemented by going through it in this sort of virtual way. Um, and it's, it's really made a difference, especially for some of my younger students who don't do as much independent travel. Um, when we go out and, and do the routes now, it's like they've, they've got them absolutely mapped out mentally because we've done this sort of virtual walkthrough after the physical walkthrough. And uh, it's made an enormous difference in their conceptualization of routes that we travel. So a couple of really kind of um, cool ways of teaching concepts for us as orientation mobility specialists um, for creating uh, people who have a better uh, spatial understanding of their environment and the ability to problem solve their way through it, which is always kind of the, the, the end goal for, uh, for independent travel. I think that pretty much wraps up. I think I'm at 10 minutes too. So I'll pass it on to our next speaker. Thanks for your time. Mark. Thank you. Thank you. Mark and Marie. I just want to say, when I listen to you guys talk about your experiences with such generosity, um, and also I wanted to tell to share with the audience, it's not by chance that Soundscape does what it does. It's thanks to the collaboration with you guys, with Marie, Mark, and a number of other ONMs and insiders who constantly share and tell us what it, what the technology needs to do and we work together to figure out how these uh, how these features can work best for for these situations. So thank you. Um, I also want to draw everybody's attention to we have a whole batch of blog posts that provide a lot of information for those of you who like to read. Um, those blogs can be reached from within the app under uh, resources. And also on the web, if you just search up Soundscape uh, blog posts or some Soundscape uh, materials, you will get to those. Um, let's move on. We know the outdoors is a little bit, is, it's important to get to the shops and to work, but the outdoors is a little bit more than that. What about sports? recreational activities, getting out there for fresh air, maybe a bit of competitive experiences. So a couple of years ago, we wanted to see what soundscape would we like if, if you go using it while kayaking on the lake. Let's uh, see what that turned into. 
smiling and full of joy, coming back to shore. So much fun! I really appreciate the whole Soundscape team having all of us out today. I'm happy to be a part of a movement, and that is to help all of us live more independently and full and rich lives. There's a full uh, video that talks to the kayak uh, hack, as we call it. But what I'm pleased to announce today is that this capability is now available in the public version of Soundscape. Or just about a couple of days, a few days, maybe a week, and it will be available. Um, and this capability allows adaptive sports organizations to run recreational activities that are powered by Soundscape. And at this point, I would like to hand over to Russ Meyer and his team from CRNA, the Capital Region Nordic Alliance, to tell you how they have started to use Soundscape to take adaptive sports to new levels. Uh, Russ, over to you. Thank you very much, Amos. And most certainly, I thank Marie and Mark for their very insightful uh, presentations from an O&M perspective. Amos is right. We have, through our adaptive sport organization, Capital Region Nordic Alliance, uh, here in the Capital Region of New York, we are a Move United chapter uh, working in adaptive Nordic sports. Uh, being in New York, uh, we get a fair amount of snow, and we've had the opportunity to work with a number of Paralympic agencies in working with cross-country skiing, biathlon, snowshoeing, fat bike riding, uh, and even skeleton. And as this presentation pertains to trail orienteering, uh, our nonprofit uh, has works with veterans, adults, and youth with a variety of disabilities and impairments, including those uh, with low vision and blindness, to excel anywhere from an initial experience in the sports all the way up to uh, Winter Paralympics and the World Trail Orienteering Championships uh, held yearly throughout the world. Uh, I happened to encounter Amos and Emily at a presentation three years ago in Rochester, New York, at what was then the Disabled Sports USA Conference, when they presented this. And with our experience in trail orienteering, immediately uh, made the link and the uh, association with both sided trail orienteering and the potential to have uh, low vision and blind uh, excel in the sport as well. Two years ago, we collaborated at the Ski Spectacular in Colorado. And so we just, again, cemented the initiative to start this past year for uh, getting things going, really codifying the sport, using the, the, the skills that O&M specialists provide to these people, but have them participate in a very productive sport. And um, knowing that so many with visual impairments don't participate, it, it's been a wonderful realization and, and uh, accomplishing challenge to take all that, that uh, those that come with the impairments and have them excel in what we hope will be a recognized Paralympic sports for those with visual impairments. We selected partners in our region. Uh, you may be familiar with some of these as they're leading national agencies 
for those with visual impairments, Northeastern Association for the Blind in Albany, the Central Association for the Blind and Visually Impaired in Utica, New York. Uh, if we have any veterans out there, you're invariably involved in the Visor Program and also the National Federation of the Blind, who, will we, who we will be presenting to shortly. Uh, with the collaboration development with Microsoft Soundscape, we instituted a alpha beta testing program that transitioned from private groups to a public offering, uh, which we have embarked on that currently. And uh, my colleagues, Karen Fagan, uh, our program director in this sport, and our validation inclusion coordinator, uh, Megan Hale, uh, they'll go into that in uh, greater detail. Next slide, please. So the blind low vision trail orienteering involves the precise audio reading of a Microsoft Soundscape audio orienteering map and capturing all the controls along an experience route. Orienteering itself as a sport was originally created in the late 1800s, kind of came together in the early 1900s in a military orientation for uh, navigating. And the essentials of orienteering are having a map, a compass, and finding controls, locations in an unfamiliar environment. And so we have kind of melded both the sighted trailo format and the blind low vision format, uh, taking the best from both Microsoft Soundscape and the sighted to create this enhanced version. So where regular orienteering for the sighted population goes through the woods and up and down hills and through the total environment, uh, we're involved in the format of Trello, which conducts for both those sighted with disabilities as well as the blind low vision on trails. And because the most useful skill is accurate listening and interpretation, using all your senses, developing a mental map with the compass to find the controls, uh, it typically does not require the physical prowess as much as it does the decision-making, problem-solving, and the integration of all your senses that come to bear. So, but again, any and all can benefit from a soundscape experience. Next slide, please. Or do we, do we want to do the uh, video? We're going to do the video. This is a video from Belmont Lake State Park in Long Island, New York. So I think it's more than a game. I think it's like, it's a little bit of mindfulness too, because I'm listening, I'm, I'm focusing, and I'm concentrating on where I'm going. I, I just think it's, it's a good way to navigate by yourself. Also, you can take it outside of the park and navigate towards a store, towards a bus stop. I, I think it makes us more uh, able to do, you know, uh, uh, traveling on your own. I was like, wait a minute, they didn't block off this course or anything. This is all public. You know, we're, we're not, we're not like specially, you know, booked for this. We're just, you know, like everyone else, walking in the park. You're really focusing on listening to 
of where you're going and yeah. putting out all the other distractions. So, in a way, it's calming mm. for you as you're doing this and you're really in tune with the environment because you're listening to the cues on where to go. Yeah, I think it is a good mindfulness exercise whether you're sighted or blind. So are you ready to start the course again? So again, the blind, low vision orienteering that we have integrated from the sighted version and all that orientation and mobility specialists provide to those athletes that attend is one that includes uh, nav navigational skills that are both from the app and the participant, a compass from the iPhone that, that we currently use uh, to find controls in an unfamiliar terrain uh, that depending on the level of your O&M skills to date, uh, you move safely. So we are also working um, with a group in Sweden to perhaps incorporate tactile maps in this to, again, try to include as many senses, as many sensory systems as we can to provide a very robust and comprehensive event in the sport. The video you just listened to from Long Island, we actually ran a relay event with these individuals veterans, adults, and youth. And just like everyone else, they wanted their times. They wanted to do it again. They wanted to excel uh, in the event in the sport, which from a Paralympic adaptive sport organization uh, is what we strive for. And again, the outcomes that we have is the critical thinking, the decision-making, the problem-solving that pull everything that, that Marie and Mark mentioned uh, in this environment, which obviously is sports. So, Next slide, please. Uh, as far as the trail orienteering map that we, that we use and we integrate into Microsoft Soundscape, there's always a start and there's a finish. Uh, you have your control sites. As they said, uh, as Mark said and Marie in their annotations, we do give you a brief description of where the location is as well as some of the areas that you pass. Uh, for the sighted versions, we have a legend and a scale and a contour intervals. These are accomplished with the low vision and the blind athletes uh, from, again, all the integration of their senses in going uphill and downhill. Again, we do not encourage anyone to, to go by themselves, whether they're sighted or not. Uh, safety, comfort, and enjoyment, regardless of level of involvement, is paramount. And uh, next slide, please. What I'd like to do now is turn it over to my colleagues, Karen Fagan, uh, who also lives in the Capital Region. All three of us do live in the Capital Region. Uh, Karen comes from the Troy, New York area, which is the birthplace of our Uncle Sam and Megan living in Averill Park uh, in the outskirts. I'm going to turn it over to them as far as telling you about the event, about the types of sounds that are involved. Uh, since it is an audio-based system, and uh, they'll carry on with the um, continuance here. So, Karen and Megan? Thanks, Russ. 
Um, I'll talk to you a little bit about the sounds that our participants, or we like to call them athletes, because they really are participating as athletes in an event. So I'll talk to you about the sounds that our athletes hear and uh, and how they respond to them. Uh, let me describe them to you first, though. There are very distinct sounds within this application. Uh, there's a very there's a low drum sound, and when the participant athlete hears that, they are approximately 180 degrees opposite a control location. There's a mid-range sound that the athlete will hear, and that places them about 90 degrees from a control location. But then when they hear this highest pitched, and we we call it a Tinkerbell sound. We think it sounds kind of like Tinkerbell flittering in. Um, When they they hear that sound and they follow it, they they, uh, create a direct path to go to the beacon and find that location. So I'll, I'll, I'll start you listening as if you are an athlete to the sounds that you will hear. There's a narrator within, um, within the application that will start off by saying you are approximately, you know, 25 feet from a particular beacon, or they might say 25 uh, meters. This is what you will hear. Beacon about 245 feet. And you're listening in the lower range right now. And see, when the individual turns, then they hear this higher-pitched Tinkerbell sound. And when they follow that, that will lead them to the, uh, to the beacon or to the control site that they're trying to arrive at. Um, once our athlete then arrives... Oh, thank you. Once our athlete does arrive at a beacon, following the sound, they get the success trumpet. And at that point, you know, people's hands go up in the air and you can just tell that they're super engaged and excited about getting from point to point. Once they've gotten to the second beacon, the process repeats itself. Uh, they will go to the next beacon. Sometimes sometimes we'll do four or five. Sometimes we'll do as many as 12. Um, and then at the very end... They hear the double trumpet. They've completed their course. And um, it's just an exciting, fun outdoor activity. We love it. I'll turn it over to Megan, who's our uh, visually impaired blind coordinator and uh, trail validation expert, uh, to talk a little bit about her experience with it. Thank you, Karen. You guys really covered a lot for me. So as Karen and Russ said, I am a visually impaired athlete. Um, I have a guide dog that I've gone through this course with, and he gets very excited over those trumpets because it's a little party. So one of the things that I like about this sport is that there is no sighted, there's nothing for a sighted person to see. So Amos and I can go and do the trail with Karen and Russ and Karen and Russ can't say, Oh, I see a flag on the other end of the park. I'm going to beat Megan and Amos because I can see it and they can't. But so it's a great tool that I like because it's everybody's has to listen to the auditory sound. You get some feedback about different, different locations that you're in. We have a trail in Washington park here in Albany um, that has different 
beacons at different locations in the park. So we have like a statue dedicated to the founder of Albany Medical Center. So we go around, get the flag at the statue. It says statue for Albany Medical Center and gives you a little bit of information about it, where it's located in the park, the northeast, northwest side, wherever. And then it says your next flag is 200 feet or meters away to your northeast. And then you start looking for that audio beacon again. So that's a lot. One of the things that I like a lot about it is that there's no visual aspect of it. It's all auditory and it makes it a nice equalizer amongst the blind and sighted sports. Russ, do you want me to take it from here? Yes, absolutely. Amos, that. Yep, feel free, please. Did you want to wrap up? Happy to wrap up. Um, Megan, what Megan said uh, for both the sighted version, uh, which, again, we, we, we take veterans and adults, youth uh, with, with, a vir- with a variety of uh, mobility impairments, uh, to the World Trail Orienteering Championships. But in trail orienteering, those with mobility impairments compete equitably and equally with the sighted population, the fully mobile. It's just very, it's a wonderful coincidence and a wonderful occurrence to have the Microsoft Soundscape be the exact same. And that's what we feel can offer so much to an entire community. Uh, We're very excited. Uh, Currently, we're working with the New York State Department of Environmental Conservation to install these courses at their environmental education centers throughout the state of New York to where the entire community can benefit from it and join in and have a common experience, which we know is so very difficult in literally most, if not all the other sports that we typically see in society. So uh, Megan highlighted a very, very important aspect that anybody and everybody can go and derive um, a great benefit and enjoyment from taking this sport. Uh, We do look forward to having it grow nationally and, of course, to grow internationally. We would be as excited to take uh, those with visual impairments to a world blind VI trail orienteering championship as much as we would the sighted and something that Microsoft Soundscape and Capital Region Nordic Alliance and the National Federation of the Blind and others are working very hard together to become a reality. So uh, thank you all for uh, listening and, and really absorbing and benefiting from Marie and Mark and Karen and Megan. Uh, and just I look forward to additional updates in the future. Amos? Thank you. Thank you, Russ, Karen, Megan. Uh, it's, it's just such a pleasure to hear you guys uh, speak about your experience. And again, you guys have been working with us on this for a couple of years now, uh, have been dealing with very clanky prototypes, uh, and it's your commitment and passion to the sport and to what people who are visually blind or low vision uh, can do and want to do in life that that making this possible. And again, we are making that available now to the general public just in, a, in the next few days. So it's really exciting. I'm going to wrap up the presentation. I hope it was helpful, uh, informative. 
remember that soundscape in all of these experiences it's the same experience it's the same soundscape the beacon the call outs that it works it's very simple to use take it install it try it out practice using it feel free to reach out to us about anything that you've heard uh, in the presentation today uh, but whether it's about orientation and mobility about adaptive sports opportunities um, our email is soundscape at microsoft.com so it's very simple just drop us a line and at this stage we're going to open the floor to questions and I'm going to hand over to Jarnail Judge my friend and colleague on the team uh, to take us uh, through the process and moderate the session Jarnail Thank you, uh, Amos. Uh, so the uh, the way that we're going to uh, do this is uh, with your raised hand, Chanel or Raymond are going to uh, unmute you and uh, please ask the question and then I'll uh, direct it to uh, one of our expert uh, panellists. All right. Hello, everyone. If you wish to participate, begin by raising your hand on the PC. That will be alt Y. Then when you are asked to unmute, you may press Alt-A. If you're joining us on a Mac, please raise your hand with Option-Y. Unmute with Command-Shift-A or Tab to unmute. If you are on an iPhone app, you'll find the Raise My Hand button in the middle of the screen. Then you will get the request to unmute. If you are Using a telephone keypad, you will raise your hand with star 9, mute and unmute with star 6. And our first hand is Pam Coffey. You may unmute. Yes, I have a question about uh, street preview. I don't recall ever seeing that, but then I haven't done a lot of independent travel during the pandemic the is the street preview something that only um o m instructors can access and put information in or can the user uh, access it on his or her own and use it thank you thank you pam uh, amos did you want to take that sure thank you for the question it, Street Preview is built into the main app that you can use uh, today. What you have to do is this first choose where you want to preview. You preview. You can choose your current location by pressing the current location button, or you can choose a location uh, from nearby list or search up a place. And then from the um, when you choose the location, you you'll see an option to stay to to set, that's called Soundscape Street Preview. And then you will be transported room to that location. And you can start the experience walking down the streets, hearing the, the places around you. It really is a lot of fun. Um, and as Mark talked about, it really is quite amazing in how it helps you to build uh, that mental map of a, of a new area or, an, or even an area that you've been to before. Hi, uh, highly recommended. And thank you for the question. Thanks, Next, we have Mary Beth. Mary Beth, you may unmute. Thank you so much for everything that you guys are doing. Um, I'm an orientation mobility specialist myself, and um, 
love what Marie had said about the annotation and working with Nikki. And um, I'm not extremely tech savvy, so I wanted to ask, how did you put in the annotation for Nikki's soundscape? Because you're, you're not with each other at the same time. So I'm just wondering, how, how do we do that? Hi, Mary Beth. That's a great question. So there are a couple of different ways that you can add in, an annotation. Um, in, in that scenario, I created it. And in Soundscape, you have the ability to send a marker directly to someone else with the Soundscape app. And so it will come through as a text message. If you select that link, um, then your student can open up the marker. And if you wrote an annotation, that will be included in the marker and they can save it to their library. So I have found that it is helpful to create markers and annotations for students that are still learning tech skills and as a way to save time, um, or sometimes um, if I, again, during the pandemic, or if students are traveling to a new environment, I can look at a map and, and uh, create markers and landmark and annotations and send it to them for their upcoming travel. Uh, this is Russ Meyer. Uh, if I may just add how we add in annotations in the sport uh, context. Uh, Microsoft Soundscape has a authoring tool uh, that currently they are upgrading and revising. And as we select that location, that control location along our orienteering course, there is an actual annotation box that not only can we label the marker with a permanent feature description or just a control number, we can also add in if it's close to a path junction, if it's close to a lane uh, trail marker, uh, if it's located at a junction between multiple paths. Where we're at at Five Rivers Environmental Education Center, when we change between buildings and blacktop roads and paths, those are specific annotations we can insert in the authoring tool, and it is permanent. So anybody that wants to uh, embark on the course uh, and do some empowered exploration and orienteering, uh, they'll have that additional cues uh, from their environment as they move along the trail. Mm -hmm. That's great. Thank you, Russ. And uh, can already begin to see, I guess, some of the similarities between the uh, requirements uh, from adaptive sports and from an O&M perspective. And as Amos hinted at a few moments ago, that should be with you hopefully in the next uh, few days. Uh, over to our next question, please. Our next person, Gary Legates, you may unmute. Okay, thank you. First of all, let me say I love Soundscape. I think it's fantastic for what I do, which is just walk around different streets and so forth. It just keeps me on task and on, tra on the trail and on the right place. My only question was, I have an Apple Watch. And I sometimes would like to use Soundscape with my Apple Watch, and that would mean I wouldn't have to always take my phone with me. Has there been any thought at all about incorporating this app so that it could be used with the Apple Watch? Amos, what are your thoughts on that? It's on the list, Gary. Oh, good. Okay, thank you. It's on the list. It just Thanks hasn't made it to the top of the list yet. Okay, thank you. 
Yeah, but uh, you bringing it up, as always, it helps us uh, with prioritization. We've done it over the last number of uh, months, and uh, we, we've done a lot of work with O&M and Adaptive Sports to get these tools over to them, and um, questions like yours help us uh, determine the next step. You. Vision, you may unmute. I like the uh, presentation. I am using iPhone. Please, uh, please share uh, iPhone Soundscape link. I am not using Soundscape app, but uh, I like presentation. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Vision. Um, on this uh, slide, the uh, uh, link is... Uh, if you do a search for uh, Microsoft Soundscape on the App Store, then it'll be pretty much, I think, the first item um, on the list. If you have any difficulty accessing it or finding it, please do email us at soundscape at microsoft.com and uh, we'll respond to you straight away. Linda, you may unmute. Uh, I loved your presentation. Uh, I have a question. I think I might know the answer to it already. Uh, I'm kind of hoping for more positive feedback, but I'm hearing impaired. And I have uh, middle ear hearing loss. Um, and I was listening to the examples of soundscape, and it was hard to tell um, which ear the different sounds were coming from like i think you mentioned something like you know if you hear a certain thing you know to turn right you hear it your right ear and all that kind of stuff and i have two hearing aids uh, so would you expound on that please thank you uh linda for the question um i think this is one of those ones where uh um amos it'd be great to get your perspective and i'd also love to hear from maria mark and uh russ as well in terms of uh how you found you've sort of addressed this challenge? Because I know that uh, you've come across it yourselves as well. Yeah, no, it's a it's a great question and one that we want to figure out. One of the things, uh, have you tried using Soundscape with your hearing aids? No, I haven't used Soundscape. Uh, I, I was just listening to a presentation okay. and the examples. Perfect. So the, there's some information that's built into the sounds that you can interpret without having to hear uh, this the proper stereo sound. Um, the texture of the sounds and the tempo changes. So there are other signals in the sound that can help you determine if it's in front of you, if it's on one side, if it's behind you. Um, so I'm curious to see how you get on with that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and also the pitch it's it's a special pitch, let me put it that way. It's not sometimes it's not easy like it could be a little bit screeching for people and that's why I always encourage people to put it at the right volume that's comfortable for them. But the <clears> reason <throat> it is like that is because it does cut through and and can often be heard even with a uh, uh, difficulty in in hearing. So uh, I I would that that's that's what I wanted to add. There's, and there's always uh, we always look for more feedback to to tune it for people. I don't know, Mark. Okay, thank uh, you. Yeah, yeah, Mark, Amos. I I really appreciate what you said. I taught a class on GPS a couple of weeks ago, and after the first session, 
I had one of our students call me and say, I, I think I made a mistake and that I should remove myself from the class because I have a hearing impairment and don't think that this, this is really the right tool for me. And we had an in-depth conversation um, about the hearing aids he's using. And it was, it was very interesting to find um, that at the end of the course, he, he was able to gain so much information through Soundscape because there's still things like with the audio beacon, he could, he could hear when he was facing the beacon directly. He was able to pick up on that pitch um, and found that, well, still I could hear the distance from my position to the destination. And that was very helpful. And so there were more components and information delivered through the app um, that he didn't realize could help so much with independent and safe travel. I'll just add there's also there are two types of beacons. In the settings page, you can choose a classic beacon on the modern beacon. They provide different contrasts. Uh, and so you might find that one works better for you than the other. So uh, I, I suggest you, you play with it a bit and see what you make. And we'd love to hear from you again to Thanks, see how uh, you get on. Thanks, Mark. Uh, you're going to add something. So. Yeah, I was, I was going to actually mention the same point about the beacon. I found um, a couple people with, with hearing loss preferred the original beacon because the sound is is slightly more distinct when you're not facing the beacon. You get a sort of clop-clop sound that they can distinguish um, more from the sort of chime a little bit a little bit more readily. The other thing I found is slowing down the speech rate uh, is helpful too because um, especially the, the, the Bluetooth ones, they kind of they come off and on. So a lot of time they'll miss part of the announcement. So if you slow the speech rate down, not only is it easier to hear, but um, you're more likely to, to hear the whole thing, especially in an unfamiliar location where you might not recognize the street name anyway. Obviously, if you know what, if you have some idea what they're calling out, you can recognize it either. But if it's a, like a novel announcement for you, you definitely want it slowed down. Um, and like Marie said, just, you may not be able to get an exact sense you know, based on the differential of, of, of the beacon in each ear, but you definitely do know when you're facing it. Um, and you definitely do know when you're facing away from it. Um, and the other thing is the call outs, the points of interest for people with vision, with hearing um, loss, there's not, a, there's not as much that they can get uh, auditorially from the environment. So they really like the fact that they're getting all these call outs where, you know, that's, that's cluing them into where they are. Um, that wouldn't be obtainable auditorially just from, you know, trying to listen for things like overhangs, like Marie mentioned to her. So those things kind of aren't detectable for them, but now they're getting kind of a narration that fills in a lot of the, of that void um, that people with, with regular hearing might be able to pick up um, in other ways or piece together. So definitely I would, I would experiment with it. Thank you, uh, Mark. In the interest of time, I'm going to sort of see if we can get to, we do have a lot of questions to get through and uh, we'll get through as many as we can in the available time. So Herbie uh, next Allen. one, please. Yes, Herbie Allen, you may unmute. Okay, thank you, guys. First of all, great presentation. Um, just real quick for Mac users, um, and then I'm going to get to my question, but Command-Shift-A does not work in webinar even when you are unmuted. So um, make, when I make a note of that, you have to rely on the space bar and the mute, unmute button. But 
Um, my two questions, and they are quick ones. Um, so first of all, I've never used, had an opportunity to use Soundscape, um, largely thanks to the pandemic has limited mobility. So I just want to make sure I understand the mechanics of how you would actually use the app. So do you have to like hold the phone in front of you so it can the camera can see your surroundings or can, can you carry the phone in like, you know, a pocket or whatever? Probably a dumb question, but um, like I said, I've never used the app. And then just another quick question. Have you guys explored any avenues with indoor navigation? So Herbie, um, thank you for the question. Uh, regarding using Soundscape, you don't use the, uh, the camera at all. And uh, when you're out and about and walking, just put the phone in your pocket or your bag and uh, you'll get these wonderful spatialized call-outs. If you're uh, then at an intersection and you're using a standard stereo headset, we do ask that you uh, take the phone out and hold it flat just so that we can get a good reading of the phone sensors. But if you were to use the AirPods Pro, for example, with the sensors already built into the headsets, then once again, you'll be able to just keep your phone in your pocket for the, uh, the whole duration. And regarding indoor, this is an area of active investigation and research for us. So uh, as they sort of say, watch this space. All right, sounds good, because I could definitely make use of the indoor navigation aspect more than I could. And I have a pair of AirPods Pro, so that's really wonderful. Thank you, guys. Our next person is Lolly Lewiski. You may unmute. Thank you. Um, to go back to the dual sensory loss piece, um, I have not tried it with my hearing aids yet and streaming, but I intend to do that. I have a question, and this sort of takes us away from sound, so it might be a, a direction you aren't able to go. But one thing that would really, I think, there's a lot of us headed this direction, older, not only have vision loss but are losing hearing, is adding uh, vibrotactile information um, through the phone. And... Um, so that's just a comment. And then, uh, again, really enjoyed the um, presentation. And my um, comment so far is that I have, without using a particular headset, have been able to hear the difference in terms of where the sound is coming from. So that's helpful. But um, that'll be interesting to see in terms of using it with, and what the O&M instructors have said about this too, using it with Bluetooth um, and to see how that works. I, I thank you for this work. I think it's really helpful. And for those of us who are also coming to the point where we may not be able to work a dog and have to transition back to a cane, it makes it less scary. So thanks. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Lolly. Regarding uh, the use of, uh, sort of vibration, it goes back a little bit to the Apple Watch question as well. And a similar sort of answer where uh, we are looking into this. We are uh, doing some uh, research into it, but uh, nothing yet that's sort of definitive. Uh, but no, thank you for that. And uh, you also mentioned, uh, rather, so Rush mentioned uh, earlier on, the use of sort of tactile maps and adaptive sports. And once again, we sort of um, often heard a similar sort of request in that uh, uh, domain as well. So you know, thank you for your question and thank you for the, uh, the feedback as well. Area code 773394. You may unmute. Hi, my name is Debbie. I ha ha Do you hear me? Yes. Yes. Good. Thank you. <clears throat> I have a couple quick questions, and they will be quick. Um, you go to the app store, and do you type in the app Microsoft Soundscape in order to get this added to your iPhone? Is that correct? Yes. Okay. And how much is this? 
It's absolutely free. It is absolutely yeah. free. That's great. And finally, is there a t- tutorial that will help explain? Because, oh, first of all, I want to tell you that your presentation was wonderful today. Very, very wonderful. And I, you know, I really enjoy it. And I'm very excited about this, this soundscape. I really am. And I'd like to start using it. But is there a tutorial? Because I'm still a little confused with markers and beacons and yeah. things and everything that you talked about. I'm I'm kind of technologically challenged, but you know, um, I, I would um, love well, to learn this. We look forward to hearing from you once you've downloaded it and installed and played with it. Uh, it's a very simple sort of setup process. We'd love to get your feedback on it once you've uh, used it. And there's extensive resources uh, easily accessible from within Soundscape app itself that give you access to the tutorials, access to uh, the help section that details all the features and capabilities. And there's a lot more information on our website, which you can also access from the, uh, the app. But please do get in touch. We'd love to hear about your onboarding experience. And we need to wrap this session up. So if you want to give us just the final contacting information, and then I'm going to give the final codes. That final contact information is uh, soundscape at microsoft.com. If you've got questions about the app, if you've got any questions about orientation mobility or uh, uh, adaptive sports that uh, Russ, Karen, and Megan mentioned, please do uh, ask them directly there, and we'll make sure that we then uh, uh, point them in the, uh, the right direction. Oh, that's great. Thank you so much. This is just a wonderful session. I know everyone's enjoyed it. I sure have. I'm going to give the closing code now, and that is 85716. Again, that is 85716. And I thank you all for uh, being with us today. 